Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hand. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today, we're talking about determining your calling. We have in studio my wife, Martha, but we have on the line Rhonda Kalbeck. She's the Director of Global Advancement, which is a fantastic title. Global Advancement, almost like a war. She's got an army and she is globally advancing the halftime vision all around the world. Rhonda, welcome to the I Work For well, Him show. Well, thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here. Love it. <laughs> you say that now. It's so very nice of you to say that now. I hope you feel the same way at the end of the show. <laughs> We're glad to oh, have I'm you. I'm positive I will. <laughs> oh, thank you, Martha. Okay, so, Rhonda, before we get started, I always ask all of my guests to just talk about how Christ has impacted their life, because First and foremost, yes, this is a show. This is a show about Christian business people, about business about taking our faith to the workplace and letting our faith impact those around us. So it's very important that the people that I bring on my show, everybody needs to know this is where they are in Christ. So tell us, how did Christ impact your life? Well, Jim, it started when I was seven years old. I was in a revival, and I gave my heart to Christ at that young age. That's where it all started. But more recently, I'd say in the last few months, God has just really been working on me. It's almost like he's saying, Rhonda, be still and listen more. And I'm a talker, so I'm quite certain he's really wanting to say, shut up, stop talking so much, stop running around so much, and just listen. And if I do that, 
then I'll know what I need to do that day, and that's it, just that day. So my focus lately with God is just listen. That's that's an awesome the just listen thing. Yeah, I'm working on that one. Uh, being being quiet is such a major effort. I agree. I agree. But I think that's what God is trying to tell me that He has His plan is better than mine. And if I'll just listen, then I'll know how to proceed through my day. Yeah, that is almost always. I'm sure that's always the case. His plan is always better than our case <laughs> or, or than our plan. That's for sure. All right. So, Rhonda, I don't know if you were able to catch the show yesterday, but Martha and I had. Two missionaries from the Middle East and North Africa on the show yesterday, and we were talking about them being pulled out of their workplace here in Florida and God using their workplace professional skills on the mission field overseas. And what was really cool is we got to talking to them about their organization and about jobs that are available overseas. And what was the most fantastic job that was available, Martha? What was that job? It was an adventure, outside adventure person that could be an instructor. So, and whitewater rafting instructor and mountain biking and all kinds of things. You kept wanting to add mountain, things. No, it was but, mountain climbing. Oh, it was oh. spelunking. It was... <laughs> oh, yeah, spelunking. Yeah, it was mountain biking. I mean, what, what was really cool, though, Rhonda, is you've got graduates coming through the halftime program, and we're going to get into it, and our audience has no idea what it's all about yet. But there are jobs. I mean, they had jobs for accountants, finance people, HR people. They had this outdoor adventure job available. I mean, Gra- Graphic design. Graphic design was huge. their biggest need for Photographers and videographers, they had such a huge need for people with very normal, common skills. How often do you see that? Oh, I see that all the time. I, the people who come to the Halftime Institute, a lot of them think that they're going to need to sell their company or quit their job and move to Africa to do what God is calling them to do. And actually, it's not the case. A lot of times, God is calling them to stay right where they are in their workplace because that's their fear of influence and to make a difference there. So sometimes he calls you to go do something far off, but a lot of times he's saying, what about the people right around you? What kind of impact and influence are you having on them? Yeah, I know that's the case. Now listen, your calling to halftime is a relatively new calling. I found the article on the on the uh, internet. February 11th is the day of this year is the day that they announced that you've been added as this global what was it? Well, sorry, I want to make sure I say it. Global Advancement Director, Director of Global <laughs> Advancement, which is a fantastic title. Makes it sound like you're a general of an army of 200 million. Mm. So, it's a relatively new calling. How did you get hooked up with halftime? How did this happen? Oh, it is a crazy God story. I, I, I had read the book Halftime several years ago, and I knew my halftime was coming. I knew there was going to be this time in my life where I wanted to totally, all out, go back and do something for God. Not just another career, but I wanted to give back and make an impact. So when both of my girls went off to college, I started looking for where God wanted me to plug in, what He wanted me to do. And I couldn't figure it out. For eight months, I was interviewing, and I'd get to the end of it, and I wouldn't be passionate about it. So I finally just started volunteering at this little school for underprivileged kids. It made sense with my educational background. But on day one, I was miserable. I mean, I was literally calling out to God, please don't let this be my life calling, because this is not great for me. So I stayed there a year. But in the process, a friend of mine who worked at halftime said, Rhonda, you're miserable. You've got to get this figured out. So why don't you come to the Halftime Institute and let the professionals help you? And I literally ran. I did not walk. I ran to the Halftime Institute and said, help me. 
I want to find that joy and balance and impact that I'm dying for. I want to be where God wants me to be, and I can't for the life of me figure it out. So that's where I ended up. That's awesome. So you went through the halftime program, and it turns out they needed you at halftime. And, and that's uh, that's an awesome story. Do they got any yeah. other job openings? Oh, no, I'm not looking for a job. Okay. <laughs> well, it, that doesn't happen for everyone. I always have to tell them that. Like, just because you come to the institute does not mean you're going to work for us. Because I think, it, isn't Dean Niewolny's, uh story similar? I mean, he went through the halftime program, and he ended up working there, too. So I think his story is pretty similar. Pretty much everyone who works at halftime has come to the institute and God has kind of snagged them in. Mm, that's Don't awesome. You, that kind of makes sense. It does yeah. kind of make sense. Yeah. <laughs> They're picking the cream of the crop. It makes. All right, so just do a little bit of an intro as, as we're coming up to a break, but do a little bit of an intro on what's halftime all about. Oh, halftime is all about helping people figure out their second half calling. It's your Ephesians 2.10 calling where God has prepared in advance a work for us to do. And for people who've kind of gotten to the half point of their life and they feel that kind of stirring like, God, I feel like there's something more you want me to do. We help people figure out what it is they need to do and go out and do it. But they don't have to necessarily be halftime, like 40 to 50 years old. They have to, I mean, they just need to be to that point where they're questioning, wow, do I really want to chase a life of success? I don't seem to be fulfilled by chasing a life of success, or I'm a, I'm a school teacher and it's driving me crazy. Because uh, uh, you and I share that in common. I also taught school for one year, and oh. it was the hardest job I ever had in my whole life. And I appreciate teachers so much because they got to deal, deal with parents. That was the worst part about teaching parents. Oh, we're going to have a show about that someday. Parents are part of the issue. All right, before we get back to our discussion with Rhonda, as we do each and every day, we're going to highlight a book, one I believe that will deepen the impact Christ is making on your life. This section is sponsored, as always, by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. The book today we're highlighting is the book Halftime by Bob Buford. Are you ready to move into the second half of your life? Bob Buford believes the second half of your life can be better than your first, much better. But first, you need time to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life, what you want to do when you grow up. I added that part. In halftime, Buford focuses on the important time of transition, the time when, as he says, a person moves beyond the first half of the game of life. It's halftime, a time of revitalization for catching a new vision for living the second half, the half where life can be lived at its most rewarding. I recommend you get a copy of this book. I've given away dozens. You need to get a copy of the book, Halftime. If you want to get a free copy, call into the studio line. Be the first one, 855-265-2929. And remember, you need to read this book. Don't wait for the movie. All right, we are back with Rhonda Kelbeck, Director of Global Advancement for Halftime. And Rhonda, okay, so we were just getting started before the break talking about halftime, what it's all about. And really, when I read that book the first time in January of 2004, it made such a huge impact on my life because I was at that spot. As I joked with my wife and all my friends in Minnesota when we moved to Florida, I was going to have a midlife crisis on my schedule. And so (laughs) a buddy of mine, Bob Cater, gave me this book. And yes, Bob, if you're listening, thank you very much. In January of 2004, he goes, Jim, I think you're at a spot where this is a good book for you. And I read that book and I put the book down when I was done. 
And I said, that's the kind of life I want to lead. I want to lead a life of significance, no longer a life chasing after success. Because Martha and I had already gone through Crown Ministries. We had already realized what we have is not ours. We already realized that uh, where we're at, we wanted to focus on whatever ministry God wanted us to do, whether that was in a workplace or whether it was in a church or somewhere else, apparently, on the radio uh, 10 years later. So that's what we did. We said, hey, let's chase after a life of significance. So that's how it impacted my life. I never got to go through one of the halftime, you know, big corrals that you got there in Dallas. Or I know you got one come up in Orlando, too. But talk about what usually, I don't know how to put it, what usually gets people to wake up to that point? When people hear about halftime, what are they looking for? Well, a lot of things kind of waken people up to this halftime feeling. For some people, it's a life event. I was talking to a lady yesterday, and her husband died six years ago and a sudden death. And she said, that shook me to the core. She said, either I was going to hang on to Jesus for all I had, or I was going to go the opposite direction. She said, that renewed my faith because he stood by me every step of the way. So she said, right then I knew I wanted to get back to, to God. I wanted to do something that would impact the kingdom and, and help others. And so that's what kind of got her but a lot of other people just kind of have this feeling like their work is not satisfying anymore. They feel this stirring like, God, is this all it? I mean, is, surely there's more to life than this. And for some people, their life is completely out of whack and out of balance. And they realize, I've got to do something to change. Something's not right. So several things usually bring them to the halftime point, And we take all those people where they are and help them move forward. So one of the statements that is on the website, the quote is, um, what is all your winning costing you? Is that where a lot of people are really struggling um, when they are dealing with that? Not the life event, but just that feeling of there must be something more and they're they're putting all their um, eggs in a basket that's costing them something beyond uh, where God wants them to be? Exactly, Martha. I mean, I was talking to a guy a couple of months ago, and he said, I have succeeded every life goal I've ever had, financially, professionally, I have exceeded all of that. And he goes, and at the end of the day, he goes, it meant nothing. He goes, because I left significance and my family behind. And he says, so now I'm starting over again. He goes, all of that amounted to nothing. He says, now I see what really, truly matters. And that's, that's where God is and where he wants you to be. Mm. That left your family behind thing. That's something that Martha and I deal with all of the time. We, you know, as we have been, we worked the first 20 years in youth ministry as volunteers, and then God transitioned us in the late, late, late in the year 1999 to doing more marriage mentoring. And that's what we have seen in Christian business owners. You know, we don't, we don't deal with a lot of non-Christian business owners, but in Christian business owners, they get so wrapped up in their business, it ends up leaving all of their family behind and they end up losing their family. They end up losing everything. And that's when they, all of a sudden they wake up to who the Lord is and who the Lord can be in their life. It's such, it's a sad spot. It's great that they're all of a sudden in a newfound strength spot in the relationship, but it's tough. We're trying to help people prevent losing everything. Exactly. That's exactly what we're trying to do. We don't want people to get to that point where they've lost it all. The people who come to halftime who seem to have the smoother transition are the ones who are thinking ahead. They're thinking, oh, yes, I I know that this is coming. Um, 
and I, I feel this halftime is stirring, and so they're planning ahead for what's going to happen. They're getting ready to plan for this second half. Those are the people who transition the smoothest. Okay. So you've used the phrase a couple of times, people coming to halftime. I mean, I understand picking up the book and reading it, but what exactly are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about when they come to the Halftime Institute. Mm -hmm. And that, what that means is it's a two-day launch event in Dallas where we really start working on them, getting a plan together. We start with talking about what their core is and what their passions and their strengths are. We lay all that out on the table, and we really help them start putting a plan together, a mission statement for where they see God leading them. There's also time to listen in to God and figure out what God is telling them. And then by day two, they really start putting stuff down on a roadmap and moving forward. So in those two days, they really get a lot down on paper, a plan together, and then they start that year of coaching that carries them through to make sure that plan is executed. Hmm, fantastic. Okay, so what, what I want I want the listeners to hear today is how valuable this process is. But so you've, as I understand it, is people have a couple of options. They can come to one of your conferences, which I, I know I I swear I saw one on your uh, website. You were coming to Orlando, aren't you coming to Orlando to do one of these? In the f- we are. Or, uh, we're coming to Orlando October the third and fourth, and it's a couples institute. That's where. Um, a couple can come and have the halftime experience where they can get that plan together, but they do it as a couple. So they're planning it and looking forward to the future together. Nice. Well, that's the way it should. Unfortunately, that's the way. Fortunately, that's the way it should always be done. Unfortunately, that's not the way it's always done because people exactly. they, they need to be on their same uh, they're on their same page. That's for sure. All right. So, but uh, as I understand, so people can come do this weekend weekend with halftime, or they can also go through a longer process. Isn't there isn't there like two processes they can go through to determine their halftime where they're supposed to be? Actually, it's just it's one process. It starts with the two day workshop launch event. Usually in Dallas, we have a few on the road this year. But after that two days, then you start working with your coach, your halftime certified coach, for a year. So okay. it's a year-long process. We really don't have anything that's shorter than that. Okay, so it's a year-long process. And through that process, let's just describe that a little bit. Through the process, so they start off with, do they start off with a long weekend, and then they start working with their coach through the year, correct? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So, and it doesn't matter where they live in the country, they can get access to a coach remotely if there's not a coach locally, or, or is there, do they have to go somewhere to see their coach on a monthly basis? We have clients all over the world. You can Skype. Most people Skype or telephone. If your coach lives nearby, sometimes you meet. So we can, we can handle clients all over the world. That's fantastic. Okay, so just so you know, Kurt called in, and I believe his last name is Hostetler. And Kurt, if I mispronounce it, I'm sorry. It's Todd's fault because he typed it in here. But, Kurt, thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening to the show. And when you get your book, Halftime, it's going to change your life. Make sure you keep my email handy. We can email back and forth as you're reading the book. All right, so, Rhonda, the basis of Halftime is success versus significance. How talk to me about? Let's define each one of those things. Maybe Martha, why don't you start? When you look think of success versus significance, and you know the the stretch that we've been through, just just add to that. What's success look like to you? 
Well, I think in the world's eyes, it's working towards either using your degree or the um, maybe a business that you've started and just getting as much out of that as possible. I think that's what the world looks like as success. Um, having accomplished major things, being um, the top of the rung of the ladder maybe, or doing what it is that you were trained to do and doing it to the best of your ability. And in most people's eyes, they also think that probably means making a lot of money. So Rhonda, when you're seeing people going through there, what what are they, How what does their vision of success look like? Well, they know what their vision of success has looked like the first half of their life. And for many of those people, it is, like the dictionary says, it's the attainment of wealth, power, prestige, and honor. So they have had a lot of that in the first half of their life. And they, they've gotten to that halfway point and gone, ugh, that just wasn't all it. So what the world says is going to really make you happy, they find out it doesn't. It's just not going to do it. <laughs> so when you look at significance, so how does that look different? Well, the way we look at significance is if if you, I look at it as if you're in your sweet spot. You're in what God has called you and prepared you to do, and you're making an impact. When you're working in that element, that's significant for me. And for some people, it's it's big things where they go, they do go to Africa and they start the micro lending. They build schools there. That is huge significance. But significance is also the little stuff. So here's here's a question. Right before the break, we were talking about success versus significance. And the and, and there's a big difference. You know, the world's view of success is all about money, wealth, fame, stuff. It's about stuff. When you start to define significance, how do you define significance and how does halftime define significance? Significance to us and to me personally is am, am I working in my sweet spot, where God has created me to be working and making an impact? Am I making a difference in the people around me? So significance is not so much prestige and all of that. It's even in the small things. Like the other day, I was asking God in my prayer time, I was like, God, am I even making a difference at halftime today? I can't tell some days. And that day, a woman came into my office and she said, I just want you to pray with me and let me tell you my daughter's story. And so at that moment, I knew that's significance, just taking the time to pray with someone that God brought into my path. Mm -hmm. So significance is just not what the world thinks it is. Sometimes God's significance is very small in just taking the time. Oh boy, that's that was the understatement of the day. Let's just put that right up on the billboard because that's probably what it, God defines significance more so than anything else. Because that's what yeah. Jesus did. He touched one life at a time, one life at a time. He'd stop what he was doing and he looked them in the eyes and he touched them one life at a time. It's it's so powerful. All right, so what I want the audience to hear is some of the components of the process of halftime, so they can understand. Here's what we're going to go through. If we commit to going through the halftime process, a year-long program to help them determine where they're at and how they can make a significance for the kingdom, whether they remain in their workplace and just change their their approach to it, or whether they decide to go into full-time paid ministry uh, somewhere else. What are the components of the program? How does it look? The way it looks, it starts with that two-day launch experience. They come to Dallas, and we really get them hit the road running. So we teach them, we coach them, and we connect them. So the first thing we start talking about is their core. 
what are their passions, their strengths. We start helping them put a mission statement together. And then we start talking about their capacity. Do they have the time to invest in this? If they don't have any time in their day to even think about what God is leading them to, they're not ready. So you have to carve out the time. You have to be financially, you have to have some kind of margin. If you're just trying to make ends meet all the time, you, you don't have any margin to do something that God might be calling you to do. And we also look at spiritual overflow. Where is this person spiritually? If they're spiritually bankrupt, then they're not going to be prepared to do what God's calling them to do. So they come, they start that two days, we start talking about their core, we start talking about what capacity they have to work with, and then on day two they start working on context. Okay, so how am I going to serve God? In what context? Is it going to be in my job right here today? Or is it going to be joining an organization or creating something new? And they start making that roadmap, putting it down on paper, and then they're off and running with a year of coaching with their coach to make sure they stay on track. So that's what you can expect if you come to the Halftime Institute. Hmm. Okay, so let's go back. I know Martha asked a question a little bit earlier. Actually, I think I asked the question, but what usually leads somebody? What kind of events usually lead people? Because we got a lot of listeners out there, and, and they're thinking, wow, okay, this is starting to resonate with me a little bit. I, I, I'm i a little dissatisfied with where I'm at. I, I feel like I'm chasing the wind. Uh, the success thing, yeah, I've had success, but it's very unfulfilling. What are usually? What's the event that usually causes people to go, okay, I'm going to do something about this. Because a lot of times the pain of the change has to be, what are, how's it said? How's that said? The pain of the change has to be less than the pain of the current situation in order to get people to move. So what are some of those events that get that trigger this? Well, a lot of events trigger it. The, the one that I see the most is for people who are in their current job and who used to love their job. It meant everything to them, and they had a huge amount of success in that job. But for some reason, it is not doing anything. They feel stale. They feel burnt out. They feel like they can't go on. That's what was kind of happening for me when I was in the wrong job. It was physically tiring. And it wasn't the good kind of tired at the end of the day. It was the draining kind where you're like, I hope I never have to do this again. So for a lot of people, they get to that point where they just cannot go forward in the way that things are. And so other people, too, kind of get to a point where they're like, I'm not hearing from God. I'm just, I'm stale uh, spiritually. There's nothing happening. And I, I know I need to move forward, but I can't. So some of those things. And for other people, like for me, it was when our kids go off to college, kind of a life event kind of shapes you out of your um, common everyday practices but and kind of shakes you up and says, woof, things are changing. So maybe I need to change and do something different. So all kinds of life events kind of lead to it. So I'm the kind of person that likes to know, okay, what can I do about that? So if someone is feeling in one of those positions, whether they just are feeling exhausted at the end of the day and feel like they're not where they're supposed to be or they're looking for something with more significance in their life, what is the first thing that you suggest for those people? I mean, if they were going to go and Google halftime and get to the website, would right away they get encouraged to plug into a two-day event? Are they encouraged to read the book? What is the first thing that they should do? Well, the first thing they should do if they want to talk to a person and kind of hear their have their story told is call me the coolest thing about my job is that my passion and my job are connected i love hearing other people's stories 
and determining how I can help. So call me, let me listen to your story, let me listen to what's going on with you at your life at this moment, and let me determine if we can help you. If we can help you, then I'll do everything I can to get you to Halftime Institute. If we can't help you, then I'm going to lead you to someone who can. So you're, call me or email me. That would be the first thing to do. And I'll send you to the website later. So when you said whether you can help them or not, what, what are some of the situations where you feel like the um, Institute would not be right for them? The cost for the Institute right now mm. is $5,000 for the year. Okay. And in September 1st, we're having a price increase, which will be 7500 so for some people, they're, they're like, I can't afford that at all. And so I might send them to a different organization or to a different program that might help them that be, would be less expensive. Okay. Let me guess. It was the cost of health care that made you raise the price. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is not a show on politics. Okay. That's right. All right. Just going back to that. Sorry. Okay. No, I'm not. It's God put me here. Okay. So we've got these components of the halftime process. And we're talking about determining calling. So I know part of the, that process, you take them through a lengthy process. That, yeah. you know, your, the weekend is just the beginning of it. But during the year, you're helping them determine, okay, aren't the two, just tell me if I'm wrong, you're helping them determine, do I want to go back to my workplace and make a difference there, be significant there for Christ, or do I want to pursue another option where I can be more effective in my faith? Are those the decisions you're trying to help people determine? Exactly. They, they, a lot of people come to the Institute and they don't even know what they're passionate about. They've just been so busy with life or raising kids or whatever that they're like, I have no idea what I'm passionate about or what my strengths are. And so we start helping them get to the core of all of that and then start thinking about, okay, what makes sense for me? What, what do I think God is leading me toward that would make sense? For instance, this lady who lost her husband six years ago, she has a 13-year-old daughter. She also lost both her parents all within a three-year period. And she was just like, what can I do to kind of figure out what I think God is leading me toward. And we, we said, let's do a low-cost probe. And that means that she applied for a job working for hospice. She said, I want to help other people who are going through severe loss. So she was able to do that. She didn't quit her job. She didn't move to Africa. She kind of tested the waters on trying to see, gosh, is this where God might be leading me? So we help people do that. Hmm. A low-cost probe. Yeah. You know, I just always have this visualization. I am not much of a sports fanatic, but I understand what a halftime is, especially in football. And um, I have seen the movies where the coach talks about, okay, what they've done in the first half of the game and what they've done right, what they've done wrong, and if they're going to change their direction. And I just, I love that visual when you're talking about that and then saying, is there a minor adjustment that needs to be made? Is there something we're going to change a little bit about the game in the second half? Or are we completely going to change our strategy? And that just makes so much sense to me as I'm thinking about that and, 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 that story. And we're talking today about determining your calling. Rhonda, thank you so much for sticking with me. I know it's a long time to talk, and it's a lot of distance from Dallas all the way over to here. So talk to me today about this this low-cost probe. You mentioned something right before the break about the low-cost probe, and I want people to understand it, because a lot of times people are like, wait a minute, I don't know if I want to go be a missionary the rest of my life in Kenya. 
How do I figure out what I'm really supposed to do, and how can I test drive that? Well, that's what we help people do. We we help them not just kind of completely turn their life upside down, but to kind of test the waters. Once they figure out what they're passionate about, what their strengths are, where they think God is leading them, we lead them through an exercise where you're really coming to grips with what makes sense. What would, what would be something that I could test out that I might want to engage in fully? So for me, when I was going through the Institute, I have an educational background, and I was a speaker before. And so my coach said, all right, how about seeing if you can get some speaking engagements and see if that's something you might want to do full time, test it out. So I didn't quit my job or anything. I just tested it out, and it was just a low-cost probe. And luckily, I didn't have to go too far with that. I came to work for halftime. But it really is kind of a, a way to test the waters without going all out, out and crazy. <laughs> okay, so this low-cost probe can be done in any number of of places and possibilities. So I, I just want people to understand the the... The options are limitless as they consider this shift, this paradigm shift from chasing after what the world says is really important to what God says is really important. And and that low-cost probe can just give you a taste for what doing a having spending your day all day long doing something you really enjoy. That that to me sounds like a lot more fun. Oh, it is a total blast. I mean, for for some people, they even just a low-cost probe is to look around and see where there's a need, and see if their passion matches up with a need. There was a lady in Houston who loved babies, and so she looked around and she noticed that in the hospitals there were babies whose mothers were addicted to drugs, and these babies needed someone to hold them. When someone was holding them, they didn't cry as much. So she went around to all the hospitals, and finally the hospital in the worst part of the city said, we'll take you on. And she started a rocking chair ministry where she's holding these babies for hours. So this isn't moving to Africa or starting a huge organization. This is simply meeting a need. Now, halftime's not just for business owners. It's for anybody. It's not just it's not just limited to business owners, right? Exactly. I was I was in education and it was exactly right for me. All right, but a lot of times, I mean, it used to be, as I know several friends, I got one friend here in Tampa Bay, Dave Zillick, he went through the program. He's the one that, that introduced me to Dean, and that's how I got connected up and get you guys on the air. You know, he just went alone. Now you've got halftime for couples. Talk about that, because to me, that seems like the way it should be done, because, I mean, a husband should be making a decision for the husband and wife, and a wife shouldn't be making a decision for the wife and the husband. It's fantastic that you're doing it this way. What may, what what added this to you? I mean, when did you guys add halftime for couples? We've been doing it for quite a few years, and one of the reasons is that uh, we found that the men who came to our couple to our halftime institute, like a few months ago, I was talking to the three guys at the dinner table, and all three said, "I really wish my wife could have been here, mm. but she just wasn't ready to embrace the halftime institute. The whole idea of this—they were their wives were scared they were going to have to move to Africa, like you said. <laughs> so, the halftime couples institute is a great way to bring your spouse, and so she or he can hear what the program is all about. And also, it's a time for the spouses to realize what are, what is my spouse's goals, what are their passions, and kind of reconnect." When you're on the same page and you're planning and going forward together, that's a beautiful, great thing. It's when you're not on the same page that it kind of can tear you apart. So we encourage you to come together as a couple 
go through it together. So when they come through it as a couple, are they both working on their their core passions, their strengths, their mission statement, or is it a joint mission statement, or can it be either way? It can be either way. They individually work on their core, their strengths, and all those passions that make them unique, mm-hmm. and then they come together and go, okay, how are we going to take all of this information, and how are we going to blend it together and go forward as a team? Now, one of the questions I asked you when we were talking about the interview before we got to the interview part is, okay, somebody decides, they've gone through the program, they spent the whole year, they've decided this is the path I'm going to go with significance. I'm going to go into ministry, I'm going to go into a paid ministry like a pastorate, or I'm going to go into a paid ministry like a missionary, or I'm going to go back to my workplace. Each one of those determines a next level of follow-up. For the pastor, it's maybe a seminary. For a missionary, it may be a sending organization. For the business person going back to their workplace, they need to continue being mentored. How are you guys networking with other organizations to make sure that that ongoing mentoring is happening? Well, the way we ongo mentoring is part of our program is that you are part of a community of, of, of your peers. So when you come to the Halftime Institute, there'll be 10 to 12 other people in your class, and you form a bond. My group has a Facebook page. We email. We call each other. So we're constantly checking up on each other and encouraging each other. But my coach also stays in contact with me. So we really try and continue to reach out and check up with our alums every couple of years or so and say, how are you doing? Can we help you? We also have something called second-year coaching. So if people have gone through the year process and they're like, you know, I, I need feel some help, I want help getting this, you know, going through this new job transition, then you can have second year coaching and we continue to help you. So we have lots of ways we keep in touch. Okay. All right. So let's talk about that perfect candidate for the halftime program. Well, who, who is that perfect candidate? The number one qualifier is it someone who's willing to listen to God's leading. I get calls all the time, and people want to create a legacy. They want to do something big and powerful and impactful. And when I say, well, what if God is leading you in a different direction than what you're already thinking? They're like, no, really, this is my plan. When it's their plan, they're probably not a great candidate for the Halftime Institute, because we're based on biblical principles. It's all about what God's plan is, not yours. So that's the number one thing of a person who would be perfect for halftime. Another one is... If that person is wanting more joy, balance, impact, someone who feels like they want to do more, that there must be more, or they want more spiritual growth, or they need connections, and they want accountability, and they want a guide to get them through the process, that's the person who's right for halftime. All right, so I think probably one of the coolest things is you've got one of these halftime institutes coming up October the, I think you said the 3rd and the 4th in Orlando. Exactly. Now, that's under the new pricing in October, but if they sign up today, do they get the old pricing? They sure do. It's $5,000 for the couple. $5,000 $5,000 for the couple, that includes the, that weekend, and that also includes a year's worth of follow-up, mentoring, whatever you want to call it, part of the program to help them determine where God is taking them next. That's exactly right. They get a year of executive coaching. So that's 
October 3rd and 4th in Orlando, and they just need to go out to halftime.org, right? Halftime.org, and then they'll find it? Okay. That's it. All right. So as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, just picture this, if you will. The sun is shining, and the clear blue ocean waves are passing by as the Royal Caribbean Brilliance of the Seas cruise ship sails between Tampa and Cozumel. You can almost smell the salt air now as we talk about our plans for the upcoming second annual Cruise Your Way to a Better Marriage Retreat, sponsored by I Work For Him. February the 5th through the 9th, 2015, will be a time when you and your spouse can get away to invest in your marriage. No dishes to do, no sporting events to attend, no cell phones to answer. That's awesome. Just a few days together in a beautiful environment with purposeful discussions on ways to make your marriage strong, as well as plenty of time for those private discussions and alone time built right into the agenda. Plan now for, to join us for this much-anticipated retreat. Find out all the details on our website, iworkforhim.com, iwork, the number four, him.com. And yes, Rhonda, you can sign up today. On Thursday's show, we'll continue our discussions on this week's theme, Your Calling. We've got Chris and Christy Baker. They'll be joining us as we talk about being called out of college to go back as a missionary to their college. We're Christ followers who own our own business, but ultimately, I work for him.